0: Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very interesting show here today. Today. Let's broaden our minds. I want a cheeseburger. I want a milkshake. I want
1: tailgate. Arts and entertainment. I like
0: it. There is an academic type of word I can apply. Verisimilitude.
1: Holy moly. I'm hot today. It is Let's Talk Arts and Entertainment, News Talk 94.7 and 970 WMAY. I am your host, Kevin Hart. Got a big show for you today. I'm an interview with Emily Wheeler. A friend of mine used to live here. Now she lives in Boston, Massachusetts. It's actually the town I was born in. But she teaches voice lessons and ukulele lessons virtually. Talk to her about that then, Way Out Wednesday, weekend edition. Then my new segment with Gus Gordon that I'll be doing weekly. We are doing a new segment called A State of the Arts. Where we talk about the arts here and around the world. And all sorts of productions that might be happening through virtual means. And then, bottom of the bargain bin, with the Western classic, The Grand Duel, or is it The Big Showdown? It's actually both, it's got two titles. We're gonna start though with Emily Wheeler. Here on Let's Talk Arts and Entertainment, I've talked to a lot of people from around the area that have been uh, that have been involved either in theater or any sort of musical artistic endeavor. My next guest used to live here in Springfield, so she's very much locally based here for Arts and Entertainment, but now lives, as I believe, in my hometown or my my birthplace, rather, Boston, Massachusetts. And I'm talking with Emily Wheeler. How are you?
2: Good. How are you, Kevin?
1: I am doing pretty good. So, um, I didn't know your
2: hometown was uh Boston. Sorry to speak over it, you. That's oh, no,
1: awesome. no, you're good. Yeah, it's um, yep, I was born there, uh, lived there for six months and then moved here to Springfield. So, pretty much grew up in Springfield, but yes, I was born in Boston and it is, it is a great place. Very
2: cool. Yeah, yes. I like it
1: here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, before we jump into a uh, little bit here, what you're doing, um, uh, talk a little bit about when you were here in Springfield all the types of different um, theater, all the different arts that you did here.
2: Sure. Um, so my history in the arts in Springfield actually goes way back. Um, a few of your listeners might recognize the name Sandra Daner Wheeler. She was involved in the Muni in the uh, 60s, 70s, and was a leading lady for 10 years. She likes to tell people. And... Um, She really inspired my love for theater. So as soon as I was old enough, I joined the school band and then I joined the school choir. And then I started auditioning for shows at the Theater Center, uh, which was located in the Hoagland. And I started auditioning for the Muni and like fifth grade, fifth, sixth grade. And it took a few years. And the first show I was finally in was Willy Wonka at STC and then the next year i made it into the Muni, and my first show was into the woods
1: nice yeah who are you in into the uh, woods because I, I was just who, before covid was the assistant directing that show who were you
2: i was lucinda
1: oh nice that's awesome
2: yeah it was really fun to play a blind sister <laughs> in the show and ham it up with um with uh a few of the other members in the cast yeah Jennifer Allen. Jennifer Howell Allen. I'm trying to remember her name. She played Florinda when we were Mm -hmm. sisters. Um, Additionally, in Springfield, I was in the Troubadours for three years. I went to Glenwood High School. I did all of the musical productions there. Mm I was also the drum major of the high school band down there.
1: Me too. But for (laughs) SHG, though. But yeah.
2: SHG, yeah. Okay, rival. (laughs) Funny Mm -hmm. that the band's never faced off.
1: No. We all all supported each other's musicals. I was like... Super jealous you guys got to do West Side Story because I love that musical. Oh, West well, Side yeah. was great. Yeah.
2: My favorite uh, musical that we did at Glenwood was actually Legally Blonde. Oh, I got that's, to play Paulette.
1: That's such a fun show. Yeah.
2: It was so great. And Clea Swickard was um, Elle Woods, and the cast was just wonderful to be with. Yeah. And I uh, wonder how all those girls are doing now because I think all of us are scattered to the winds.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, now you are in Boston, Massachusetts, and um, you are doing voice lessons and also banjo lessons, I believe.
2: Ukulele. Ukulele. Ukulele.
1: My bad. I should. Okay. I should have written that down. Uh, but uh, no. But so, the so, even though you are miles and miles and miles and miles away, because of uh, what's been happening with COVID and all sort uh, all sorts of different uh, performances and everything is online now you are uh able to teach remotely and you are able to teach anybody who uh would like to learn voice. so tell me a little bit about um how you started doing that and how it has been going so far
2: sure so when i first moved out to boston i, I came with the intention of pursuing a career in opera i just finished my master's in voice at the university of iowa exactly a year ago And I was performing out here. I was involved in a musical at Harvard that actually our opening night was shut down Uh. due to COVID. And I was sitting at home for two months like most people were out here on the East Coast while we locked down really harsh, really fast. And it gave me the opportunity to really think about what I want to be doing, how I want to support myself. And so I took a week, I developed my website and Um, Out of that I conceived the idea of teaching lessons over zoom because I started seeing how comfortable Students were becoming with learning over zoom and I saw lots of my musician friends doing the same thing And so I started posting on Facebook just to people that I knew that I would be teaching ukulele lessons in a group format and private voice lessons and um, from the first night that I posted I got a few bites and I was able to grow my ukulele lessons to um, a handful of students that meet once on Wednesday nights and I have about six private voice students and they are all over the U.S. actually. Um, there's a few people that I've never met from here around Boston. I have two or three students in Iowa and I have a few students from the central Illinois area as well.
1: All right, that's awesome. Um, so, so with doing... Um, with doing virtual voice lessons have you been um have you been involved also doing any sort of virtual uh performances is there I've there's been even here in uh central illinois and around the country there's been some there there have been these uh, so, sort of virtual productions either um through zoom or maybe in an isolated setting where everything can be controlled that uh, they kind of put on the show and, you know, maybe record it. Have you been involved in uh, anything like that?
2: I have. Um, Right at the beginning of quarantine, I applied for this show called Live from Quarantine. Mm -hmm. And it raises money for displaced artists. And about, I applied for that in March. And in about May, I got an email from a a person I didn't recognize. And thank God I clicked on it because (laughs) they chose me for the show. And so this weekly uh, variety show like I said, called Live From Quarantine, uh, hosted me at the end of May, and I performed alongside 12 other performers. I did about an eight-minute set of my own music and music from the musical that I did at Harvard, and we raised um, about 2000 or something dollars that evening for a displaced artists. and the nice thing was um, we got to keep a payout or uh, choose to give our money to charity, and I ended up donating what I uh, earned to the Disability Rights Network because at the time Starbucks was still paying its employees so I felt really lucky to be having income at the time even though our stores weren't open so I had the opportunity to uh, give what I earned back to the community.
1: Nice are they going to be doing any more performances um you said it was weekly are you gonna be doing any more of them or the, uh...
2: No, I haven't applied to be in it again There's a surplus of performers who are itching to get in They right. actually have um, people from all over Broadway, all over the world um, West End performers have been on it And the hosts are normally someone of pretty pretty notable status um, The time that I was on, the host was actually the guy who played Patrick In the Spongebob musical oh, on nice. Broadway Which was nice. pretty fun pretty fun um but it's a great it's a great show so if you get a chance to buy tickets to see another edition of live from quarantine the talent is awesome
1: yes absolutely um is there any way that we'd be able to watch your uh live from quarantine do you have like a link to it or um
2: you know what i could definitely provide that for you and make it accessible uh, if you have a website to put it on
1: oh absolutely yeah totally do that um and uh if people want to uh, get involved um, maybe they're uh, looking at you know they're thinking man I have yet to you know I, I, you know singing is something I want to do playing the ukulele is something I want to do but I have any sort just getting in, interested in any sort of music and they don't know uh, have they, they may be listening to this watching this possibly and saying hey uh, maybe I want to start taking up lessons where are people able to reach you uh, what website, any social medias where you would be able to, you would have information um, on signing up or information about you, that sort of thing.
2: Sure, yeah. And I, I would like to mention you make a really good point. I think it's a great time for anyone, especially beginners, to get started right now because with the Zoom lesson format, you're taking it in the comfort of your own home. There's really just space to be afraid to, to not be afraid to experiment and to make mistakes and to really just grow in your comfortable environment. Um, my website actually has all of the information you could ever need uh, to find out about my performing or to join my studio. Please join. I would love to have you. Um, it's emilykenningwheeler.com. Uh, that would be E-M-I-L-Y-K-E-N-N-I-N-G, Wheeler, dot rcom slash lessons, if you want to find out more about lessons.
1: Wonderful. Well, we will make sure to link to um, all of those. We'll link to um, any socials and anything, uh, the website, of course, uh, definitely. And, um, Emily, we'll be checking in sometime soon, definitely, to uh, talk more about, you know, how things have been going or, you know, more just about theater. Um, It's great to talk to you again.
2: You too. Really nice to hear from my hometown. Thanks so much, Kevin.
1: Thank you. Take a short break and then we'll be right back with Way Out Wednesday. Hello, everybody, welcome to Way Out Wednesday. I'm Kevin
0: i Mike. Are you sure you're not the love child of Andy Camp and Ned Flanders? Hey, with the way, hi. With hi, the way you're looking over there? Hi, diddly ho, you're, you're putting the way out and way out Wednesday. I
1: but, am. Also saying wow. <laughs> wow.
0: Wow. Yeah. wow. Bringing you stories that have been underneath the radar uh, here in the local news cycle. So, Kevin, take it away with the first story, if you would, please.
1: All right, well, I know, not this exact thing, but this happened to me when I was younger. And similar thing, you know, you talk about sometimes, ah oh, it hurts to step on a Lego. Sometimes, you know, kid put, kids put things up their nose, their yeah, fingers. Yeah, I
0: understand that phenomena. I remember snorting a nerd back when I was younger. That did not feel good, but the fact I, I
1: that, hope he was okay. hey Uh
0: The fact that this kid in this story uh, was two years with a Lego up his nose two year
1: two whole years without, he had a Lego
0: without complaining and it wasn't like a big block it was one of those little weird like Lego pieces yeah, like uh, the, like the I don't pit, know, it's
1: like a connector. it looked piece. like a hammer is what yeah, it looked like yeah it's one of those weird like, pieces like a, like a cartoon mallet but in his nose for two years no complaint you know didn't you know sneeze I mean do you know how <laughs> That's Two that's a, whole years. There's a lot of sneezes that eventually got that out,
0: and the thing about it was the fact that he smelled a cupcake and then had to sneeze afterwards and blew his nose. That's when they realized the Lego had been up there.
1: Yeah. He was like, oh, I was looking for this. Now I can complete the <laughs> Lego Star Wars. I War-
0: wonder what was going on with the pirate
1: ship. Here's the missing piece to my Star Destroyer. Yes, I, boom. <laughs> there we go. That's just completely. <laughs> I, I, I'm I, still amazed by that. Two whole years. Just, just like, no, you know, no... Like, did he even feel it was up there the whole time? I don't know, but that kid
0: has a huge threshold for pain. Yeah, he's... Speaking of thresholds, uh, there is a Chinese restaurant now that is apologizing for any offense it may have caused. It, it instituted a new policy where, and this happened over in China, where this Chinese restaurant would have people weigh themselves. I suggest that customers weigh themselves when they walked in. To determine what they should order.
1: Hmm. So if they walk
0: to the scale, like, you're too fat for fried rice, <laughs> maybe uh, some Mugu Gai Pan, maybe not so much for you. But, maybe you want some pea pods or anamame instead, you fatty. I hope that's what it said on the scale. <laughs> I don't know for certain.
1: It's it. it what if it, like, it's just hilarious. Like, what if it logs your weight? You, uh, I'm gonna get some sesame chicken, and somebody comes in and just,
0: <laughs> just knocks not for out. you.
1: No, here's no. some broccoli. Yes, you eat more broccoli. No beef and broccoli. Just broccoli and the and the carrots that are sliced like that. It's
0: the exact opposite of the heart attack grill in Vegas, where they weigh you, and if you're over 350 pounds, you eat for free.
1: Oh, that's that's a so sweet deal. So the
0: exact opposite. So I don't know. Maybe we should implement that here. In the, can you imagine someone walking in and be like, "Sorry, too fat for your milkshake. Can't have that today." <laughs>
1: No, <laughs> uh I mean we were we were joking off air about canceling. I mean that would that that place would be out of business. Oh yeah.
0: Speaking of milkshakes, uh a couple of beachgoers over in Ireland.
1: Mm-hmm. By the way,
0: beaches in Ireland not like the beaches we have here. Yeah. Ireland ha- Ireland only has like I don't know like a month where you could actually go and enjoy a beach, and by the way, everyone's translucent over there anyway, so it's not like they're getting sun. Right, yeah. So you walk over, they're on the beach, just couple, romantic time, and emerging from the water is none other than a cow. A cow. A cow. Not a shark, but a cow comes up out of the water. Just move on move, out of here, please.
1: Move on. I'm wading through the water.
0: Eating a bunch of plankton in there, yeah. God, that would throw me off. Like of all the animals you expect to see at the beach, some a, a cow is not one of them. Like a cow coming out of the water like Bo Derek and ten is not what you're expecting <laughs> to see. Like waving their udders around like so seductively. B- bu- bu-
1: bu- <laughs> I was like, all I could think of when I was uh, I was reading that I was I was just thinking of the uh, the clip from Star Wars. It's like nothing will stop the return of the Sith, and then but it's just like a cow, cow coming, coming out of the water <laughs> instead of the star destroyers. <laughs> Speaking of nothing <laughs> stopping
0: you, uh, some people are stopped by the just discussing this as a public restroom.
1: You know, it, it doesn't take much to... You look at a public bathroom and you're like,
0: ah, and a lot of times, maybe I can hold it. Yeah, a lot of times you're already inside. Yeah. You're fully committed. And so you're like, well, your brain is telling you, well, I got to go now. But not the case in Japan.
1: Japan's always got to pull some weird they, they stuff. They always got
0: some technology ahead of us. So these are some... Clear, see-through public restrooms. There, if 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 we put a picture, I don't know if we can put a yeah, picture. Yeah, we'll put like a right picture here, like right here, right here, right so, here. And they're, and they're colorful, but you can see through them to gauge the cleanliness of the bathroom. Now, here's the beauty of it: when you go inside and hit the lock button, it becomes opaque and no one can see in.
1: That is good. Hope it never malfunctions, though. Oh, I mean, yeah. like.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that's not so good. I once had to when I went to go see the band Fish. Yeah. Uh, I had to go to the restroom before I got into the venue. A uh, big traffic backup. Yeah. Had to go into a cornfield because, as a man, I'm sorry, ladies, but as a man, nature and the world is your urinal. Nature finds a
1: way. Yeah, and uh, so uh,
0: I went in the cornfield. Started to proceed to try to do my business, and I heard from a different car, we can still see you. Oh. So I had, I felt a little bit of a compliment, but also had to move back a little <laughs> bit further. So to your point, hopefully the opaqueness always is intact once the lock button happens. Otherwise, maybe an odd time in a public restroom in Japan. Yeah.
1: And, then, and then I think you can also see out oh. uh, when you're in there. I mean, sure, maybe nobody can see you, but can you just imagine, like, like there's just somebody sitting there just staring at the door, and you're like, I
0: can't, I can't do this. You know. Well, they can't see you, so you should be fine.
1: No, you know, it's, eh, it's a weird, you know, like perspective thing. I don't know. It, w- it would weird me out. But so, so, we haven't done one of these in a couple of weeks, but it is it seems timely as uh, today, as of recording this on this Wednesday, mm-hmm. they're. Um, Seriously, um, looking into, and by that I mean they passed it uh, through all legal channels, that the Stephen Douglas and the Pierre Menard statues um, at the Capitol are coming down. Oh, okay. And so, um, you know, we so we've talked a lot, a couple times about replacing... Chef Ken, Boyardee Chef Boyard. yeah, it
0: was going to be one of them. A Britney Spears. Britney Spears, Guar. Yeah, Guar um, as well. So
1: what do we got so today? So a Christopher Columbus statue, again, look, he... Christopher Columbus was, you know... It's,
0: it's, it's been a rough few months for old Columbus, that's for sure. You
1: know, he's a... Replace Christopher Columbus statue with the Root 1 orange dinosaur.
0: I got no problem with that.
1: No, me neither. He does like dinosaurs. I mean, look, he's so cute. Look at him. He's sitting on top of that roof there. Oh, exactly. Who, you know, who
0: doesn't like dinosaurs?
1: And, yeah, and, I mean, we, we could explain the significance here, but the description here says it all. The title says it all. And we have, uh, I I kept some of these comments here because these are great. They have uh, upwards of 7,000 signatures. Last time I checked, they said, For ages, the Root 1 dinosaur has been a symbol of guidance for our people. In the world of rugrats, the children idolize Reptar, and this orange dinosaur could be the Reptar for our United States, a powerful stalwart mentor and protector of this fine nation. And then the very next comment... Dino never hurt anyone. Columbus committed genocide. Whoa,
0: that'll do it right that, there. That's
1: exactly how I feel. Yeah, I think.
0: mean, and plus the dino, plus the T Rex did save people
1: in Jurassic Park. Gonna break for news, and then when we come back, State of the Arts. This is Let's Talk Arts and Entertainment News Talk ninety four point seven and nine seventy WMAY. It's a new segment uh, I'm doing uh, called State of the Arts. Uh, the arts community, of course, in Springfield and central Illinois, all around the country, um, even all around the world, are suffering due to the pandemic, and uh, there are new and creative ways every single day, that people are finding new ways to perform, uh, new ways to, uh, you know, make all their artistic visions and everything get out there. Uh, So this will be a a sort of a weekly segment I'll be doing with uh, Gus Gordon will be joining me again, and uh, we'll be talking a little bit about that. How are you doing, Gus?
3: Kevin, I'm doing great.
1: How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Um, So one thing we uh, definitely want to talk about um, at the Springfield Theater Center, which is also housed in the Hoagland Center for the Arts, um, and and again, this will be, uh, you know, state of the arts, the arts around Springfield. We're not just, you know, we're not just relegating it to, you know, this one theater company. I mean, this is all of, um, you know, everything going on in Springfield. Uh, So, yeah, so the uh, theater center is putting on one of Ken Bradbury's shows, who did a lot of shows um, in the central Illinois area. A lot of them he wrote right. that are mainstays that are performed a lot. And uh, this show, uh, Spirit of Lincoln, uh, is being directed by Hope Cherry. And it has. Mm-hmm. they have just put out the cast list and uh, the list of dancers. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. This, this will be similar to... Um, how Songs for a New World, which was going to, you know, pre-recorded and uh, sort of streamed live, they were talking, uh, they're right. doing a very similar thing.
3: Yeah, it, it was really exciting. We had the auditions this weekend, um, well, the Theater Center did, at the Hoagland Center, and uh, we did a lot of talk in preparation for how we would set up the room and how we would make sure that everyone... um felt safe, and that we were following all of the CDC recommendations and the local health department recommendations. And I think things went really well this weekend. They had a great turnout. Um, Hope has put together a super cast of some really, really talented local performers. So I I think it's really an exciting project. And, you know, Kevin, looking over the cast list, um, I have it right in front of me, and you Mm -hmm. see names like Keith Bradbury. Uh, of mm-hmm. course, Ken's brother, yeah. uh, Reggie Guyton, uh, Matt Woodson, uh, Wes Bridges, Linda Schneider, Jim Yale, Tony Young, uh, Mark Wheeler, Andy Um, And I'm not listing all of them, but those are just some. That's a great group a of huge, people. And oh I think God, what yeah. it shows us is all the theater community and the arts community really wants to get back and do something. Yes. I think if people want to be involved and they miss this element that was such a was and is such an important part of their life and um i I think it's exciting that a new project is out there and um we'll you know try to try to see it through to get a good product for the audience to enjoy
1: yes absolutely and uh something that was brought up um i don't know if i if i read it on facebook or somebody was maybe talking about it that um you know and obviously you guys probably doing this for the songs for new world but you know with, with such a large cast for this production right. um there will be a lot because um there isn't a whole lot going on in the building right now there will be a lot of different spaces all throughout the building people will be able to rehearse um you know at different uh at the same time but you know uh right of course distance apart um so yeah this i mean this this will be really this will be really interesting and um one of the things so, ho- you know
3: the thing with this one and, and like i said um Vanessa Ferguson, who's the assistant director at the Hoagland, and I talked with uh, Jen Grunwald, uh, the president of STC, and Hope Cherry, the director of the show. And we talked about, you know, w- what their ideas were for safety and uh, moving forward. And this, you know, it's going to be very fluid. And they they understand that, you know, things need to be flexible. And um, they, they kind of roll with the punches where this is new territory for everybody, and it is a big cast, but they've worked out a rehearsal schedule where people will come in just to do their monologues and so forth and uh, then piece it together in a, in a safe fashion for the actual recording whenever that takes place. They haven't really set an exact date for this yet. I think they want to get the production up and running first and then set a date for the actual um, distribution. and figure out what platform it's going to be on and and what the dates are are that people will be able to see it. But um, they've they've got some big plans, and they've really thought this through about, again, how to keep everyone distanced and safe. And really, this this show of Ken's, uh, we we produced it at the Hoagland uh, back in 2009, I believe. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a series of monologues and individual songs. So it's kind of the perfect thing for something like this. Oh, yeah. It's um, a lot of individual moments, just a few group sequences that they're still, you know, working out how that's going to play out. But um, I I think I'm I'm very encouraged. And it was neat to see so many fun, talented people involved in this who really just want to get back and active and and Ken Bradbury, as you mentioned at the start, Kevin, is just kind of a local legend. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we lost Ken a couple of years ago. He um, passed away yeah. and left such a legacy of love and uh, people who just thought the world of him, audiences who adored everything he did, that I think this is kind of a nice piece. Um, and one of the one of the neater things is um, they're working with the Ken Bradbury Foundation, which is comprised of a lot of Ken's dear friends, want to keep his his uh, work alive and they don't have to deal with a New York licensing house for this they're dealing with local people so you know if they if they need to tape it in a certain way you know they'll they'll have local people to talk to about you know how to present it so i think i think that's going to allow for a, a really neat production
1: yeah i think so too and uh, it's um and yeah it's interesting to bring up the whole uh, aspect of taping it because um, as you know, there's, you know, in recent, you know, just recent years, um, some productions from, you know, there's a lot of London productions that would get put, um, filmed production would be put on streaming services or even released on DVD and Blu-ray and, uh, there, right. a lot of Broadway productions can't because of the way the rights are, because it, you know, every like, it's like every single person has to research, like get a percentage that it, it's, I had it explained to me one time and it was, it's very complicated but yeah if uh, you know filming filming the the spirit of lincoln i mean and hope even talked about you know there could be the possibility of putting it on a public access television um they want to you know stream it so yeah that's it and you know you know it's talking about the keeping the memory of ken bradbury's and his shows alive. i mean you know it it won't be too hard in springfield because everybody you know everybody knows him loves his shows um and I think right. a lot. There will be a lot of interest in people wanting to see this production. Absolutely, all very around, for so. all over. And
3: you know, you mentioned the um, the difference between London and, and New York, and they do seem to have been very successful about getting a lot of London shows recorded mm-hmm. and then broadcast on PBS or on streaming services like Broadway HD. Mm-hmm. I think the deal with Broadway as you, as you alluded to, is that it's the union. Everyone yeah. has a union. There's the, you know, the actor's union and the musician's union and the stagehands union. And and you have to, you have to make contracts with each one of those groups for a Broadway performance. And it just gets a little unwieldy after a while. And, and then finally, in many cases, they realize, well, we can't make any money on this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a lot of press when Hamilton was recorded. And, um, I think, um, There was some comment about you know how people were compensated for that, and um, I know um, it was it. I think, gosh, Aaron Burr, Leslie Odom. Yeah, Leslie Odom Um, Jr.
1: said he he didn't want to. He almost didn't do it because they they weren't going to pay, or they weren't going to pay him a lot of money, like if anything at all, right?
3: And I and I think you know the actors are in a hit show and they know their worth. Yeah. And so they were kind of fighting for their rights. That you know, hey, this show is a success. Ah, uh, partially because of my involvement mm-hmm. and the uh, need to be compensated accordingly but it it is difficult and uh, but that but that was such a perfect example and if anyone had the chance to see that on disney plus it was pretty spectacular yeah, it's, it's a great show to mm-hmm. begin with yeah. and um, they did just an amazing job and that's not going to hurt the movie rights the movie rights will still be out there in a couple of years and they can still make a big you know movie just for the screen, but yeah. I think a lot of fans and a lot of theater enthusiasts really appreciated getting to see the actual show as it was presented on stage. And I really don't think that once this pandemic is over, it's going to hurt ticket sales for the Broadway or the touring productions.
1: Oh no, not I think at there's all.
3: such an appetite for Hamilton that it will still be an enormous money maker for Lin-Manuel Miranda and his, uh, you know, co-creators. I think they're going to be raking in the dough for years to come.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and plenty of the shows I've seen, you know, that are released, you know, pro shots like Hamilton. Um, I still want to mm-hmm. see Hamilton live. I never got to see. We were going to see it in May, um, and you oh. know, obviously, we can't, we can't. But um, right. You know, right. yeah. But we, we had
3: tickets for that too in St. Louis, and,
1: mm-hmm. and
3: unfortunately, on hold.
1: Yeah, uh, but yeah. I mean, there's plenty of shows that I've, you know, there's um, uh. You know, they, they recorded Gypsy with um, Imelda Staunton, I think I'm saying her name right, from 2015, yes. which that was an amazing yep. production as well. That was, a, I believe, I was also a London production. But yeah, I mean, that's that's one of my favorite musicals, and I'd love to see that, like, every time it's on stage. So, I mean, no, it, I don't think they those recordings hurt. I mean, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that, you know, physically can't go to New York at a, even, like, right. in a couple months' notice uh to see a you know to see a show so it's it's great to be able to you know maybe you know maybe they wait till after the show's run its course to release it um but i i think it's i i think it's yeah well after we're able to do live shows and see live shows again, I think it'll be the norm that hopefully more of these will be coming out and maybe they can even uh re you know look at some of the rights some of the um some of the union rights i mean it's i mean that would take a while but you yeah, know i I definitely think it's gonna be the norm going forward, hopefully, Well, I, I believe. think
3: the world is going to change, and some of the lessons we're learning right now will become the new norms, I think. Um, but you have to consider with New York, um, I, I was looking through some old files, and I found some old ticket stubs mm-hmm. of when I had gone to New York in the 80s, and 1980s, that is. Yeah. And, you know, I got a ticket for $65, a great orchestra seat. Mm. <laughs> and that was expensive to me back then, really expensive, but now... I mean to go see Hamilton in Chicago I mean you were paying $500 or oh, yeah. more for an orchestra seat mm-hmm. in some cases it's ridiculous and I and I don't think that many people can afford a trip to New York because it has become so amazingly expensive but this way that they you know for 699 a month on Disney Plus they can see something as magnificent as Hamilton and I think it's a win-win and it just it gets the material seen by so many people it wouldn't have the chance otherwise
1: yeah no I, I i 100% agree um the so i i also uh brought up uh, a little earlier right before we um started talking here um and i i, I got to be unfortunately i mean i i don't know as much about this but i would like you to uh you know we or we can discuss of course um you talked about something else uh new happening at UIS with their uh with their auditorium and their stage right
3: Right. Uh, Brian Reeves just sent out an announcement on Facebook that's really exciting. In their Performing Arts Center, they have their Studio Theater, which is where um, the UIS UIS Theater Program does a lot of their work. And they've done, I think they called it their Kitchen Sink series of smaller uh, musical performances. Mm -hmm. Well, they put in a three-camera setup that's for Internet broadcasting, and they have a whole system they're adding to this. And it's going to really um, provide an opportunity for a lot of local groups to, especially during this time of the pandemic, who want to do something, uh, Brian is providing an opportunity for a lot of groups to be able to use the space. And um, especially, I think I think he said in his message that use of the space may be free of charge if the Performing Arts Center co-sponsors the event. So there would have to be some negotiation probably between the different parties, but music recitals, monologues, staged readings, small concerts. Um, And they have the capability of taping them in this space with good lighting and a three-camera setup. And then they also have the capability of streaming them, which um, kind of will be an inclusive little package. And I think a lot of folks will want to take advantage of that. I think it's a a great opportunity. And uh, Brian's really been proactive since he's... um, taken over the the position at, at UIS and their their um, Sangamon auditorium and so forth. He's done a great job of getting out into the community and coming up with ideas. Um, so this is just another new idea and how he's thinking about how he might offer something that is that is good for the community and allows people to get some you know performance opportunities and how audience members can see something that is is local. Because I think there is a, an appetite for that, especially as this pandemic wears on.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, yes, we, we we do love, you know, we love, you know, just talking about we love watching the, you know, professionally shot, uh you know, the musicals, um you know, like Hamilton or right. something on the West End. But, you know, especially for um the talent pool of people in this area, you know, people want to see local shows with the local performers they know and they love. And, yeah, I think yeah. it's absolutely a wonderful idea.
3: Well, I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard people say this, but I've I've heard it a lot that people who come here from other cities, or people who grew up here and then have moved away, and some of them come back. I, I've heard it dozens of times where they say, "Boy, we're Springfield is really lucky to have such a thriving arts community." Yeah, uh, people come from bigger cities, and people go to bigger cities, and they say, "We didn't know how lucky we had it in Springfield because." There are so many opportunities. It's not just one theater group or one orchestra or one, you know, dance company. There are lots of different opportunities to perform. And um, Springfield and Central Illinois has done a great job of cultivating that talent and providing lots of diverse opportunities. And I I just expect that to keep growing. Um, You know, once this, once we get past this pretty enormous hurdle, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Called the coronavirus.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and we will be um, making sure that uh, we, we will be doing everything we can to ensure that this, uh, as, as much as uh, we get the word out on performances um, and uh, certain things that uh, may be going on, um, you know, shows that are going on, shows that are being planned, we'll make sure that uh, we we keep that covered so that we are able to, um, when the time comes, or even before, um, able to do as much involvement, uh, with any sort of performing or anything like that. Uh, so uh, yeah. I this is this has been this has been fun. Thank you so much, Gus. We, uh, we definitely uh, Dave. yeah, Was I it?
3: love the opportunity, Kevin. Yeah. Thanks very much, and um, it'll be interesting to talk about different things going on in town and and what we can expect in the upcoming months and years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I we will. I'll be definitely checking in with you again next week, and we'll uh, see what's going on.
3: All right, Kevin. Thanks a lot. Have a great week.
1: You too, Gus. Thank you you missed a segment hello hello anybody home (laughs) you can find it at wmay.com slash arts and entertainment you can hear the full show some of the clips some of the things you might not even hear on the air
0: interactive appetite searching for a website a window to the world got to get online take a spin now you're in with the techno set you're going surfing on the internet
1: news talk 94.7 and 970 wmay It's time for Bottom of the Bargain Bin, with Kevin Hart. (laughs) Welcome back to Bottom of the Bargain Bin, the Grand Duel, or is it the Big Showdown? It depends on what version you see, but both of those versions are the same movie, a spaghetti western on par with the best of them. If you are a fan of Quentin Tarantino, not only will he recognize the imagery in this movie such as the black and white flashbacks, the extreme amounts of film grain, the hero with a mysterious past, in the shadows, but just listen to the score. Yeah, this is my first time ever watching this movie, and all I could think of is Kill Bill. I mean, mainly because of the music and the black and white flashbacks, but Django Unchained and Hateful Eight, because the Western tropes definitely could tell Tarantino took from that as well. Sometimes these bargain bin movies are pretty terrible, but this one, which only costs $3 for the Blu-ray, this superb. So because this movie is a spaghetti Western, many of the players are Italian, and most, if not all, of it's dubbed over, so the voice acting matching the mouths varies but the overall acting of the main characters is quite good, especially my man Lee Van Cleef. You probably recognize him as Angel Eyes from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. He plays a sheriff in black with a mysterious past named Clayton. Good God, does he command the screen in every scene he's in. He's always in control. Look at that. Look at him. His part in this movie's story is he has information that will exonerate Philip Wormier, who was a. He has a three- thousand dollar bounty on his head accused of killing the town of saxon's patriarch ebenezer saxon so the movie's first gunfight only about 10 minutes into the movie is epic but the build-up to it is pretty tremendous as well Clayton walks calmly through the town, identifying literally every person who's hiding, pointing a gun at him. With that iconic score in the background, the only one who doesn't spot is Philip, who is with a lady friend. Clayton makes his way into the bar and gets a drink before the gunfight ensues. Philip does a far from realistic trick to escape death once, but damn, does that look cool! bouncing super high from this guy falling on a wheelbarrow, then flipping and shooting, like something right out of a comic book or a Saturday morning cartoon. You love to see it. He holds up in the bar with Clayton, where he helps him fake his death again. The following chase scene shows some of the best aspects of this movie, the cinematography. I am so glad I watched this in HD on a Blu-ray, let alone even in widescreen, because, you know, if this was on VHS, they probably would have cropped it. The chase up the mountain with curving pathways, there's this static faraway shot of Philip on his horse running from the bounty hunters, you see them make their way up the mountain pretty much in real time. It's not the only time something like this happens in the movie, but in an age of movies with deliberately shaky camera action and a lot of CGI, something like this that's epic that actually had to be filmed is awesome. Philip hitches a ride with Clayton only to get separated, captured by bounty hunters, to find the location of silver, hidden silver, that Philip knows. He's the only person who knows where it is. He gets saved. He then makes his way to Saxon City to avenge the murder of his father. It's here where we meet the main villains, the Saxon family. Power-hungry politicians who want money and power. Hmm... You know, that plot line never seems to go out of style, does it? (laughs) Also, they are murdering sociopaths. Psychopaths. Uh, Both of them, actually, I guess. (laughs) You know, villains like this are generally believable, and two of them definitely are, but this guy with smallpox his scarf and his weird gun flourish and he's seeming to get off on pain it's very cartoony and yes i know i just said there are some cartoonish tropes that i like in here i mentioned them earlier no i'm not gonna say this is bad i enjoy it but this just kind of does clash with the possible very real you know corrupt family or political group taking over a small town either way they are all pretty sick and have their moments in between all of this the saxons are none too pleased that clayton has now made his way back he's returning and he's given 24 hours to get out of town the marshal realizes that clayton may be privy to the secret of who actually killed the matriarch Philip's followers that live in the town are sick of the saxons too and leave to the silver mine for their own sake they're sick of living here and the saxons oh well, they don't like that one bit and in typical crime family style there must be no witnesses. So, down they go. Everything starts to go down on the morning of Phillips hanging and I really don't want to give it away because it's quite epic. It's quite good. I don't have a whole lot of criticism for this movie because I really liked it. It's sometimes a chore to sit through schlop like the Batman serials but oh, this movie kept my attention. It's not as good as the Dollars movies are unforgiven, sure, but oh my goodness, this movie, especially Lee Van Cleef's performance, is more than worth whatever the normal price of this movie might be. Definitely recommend this one if you can find it, pick up a copy, watch it wherever. I think you'll enjoy it quite a bit if westerns are your thing.